Hello, welcome. I'm Linda Lamp, and I'm here with my co-host, Mary Ardania, and we are broadcasting Let's Become a Beloved Society, conversations illuminating our path to wholeness. Welcome. We're happy to have you here with us today, or if you're listening after the fact. Remember, you can always call or text your questions or comments in, as well as uh, providing them during the feedback during the live stream, if you're online live. And that number is 907-1907-351-3003. Today's topic is evil. There was a question asked in a, a book group that I participate in the other day. And, and the question was, how do we keep evil people from showing up in our lives? And I thought that it was a great question that we could undertake here today because one of the key ways to become a beloved society is for people to perhaps redefine their definition of God. And, and by doing so, it's going to impact your definition of evil as well. And so I, I, I thought that this would be a great conversation. Um, we, we hear a lot about evil and we hear about it not just from the religions that uh, exist in the world, but we also hear a lot about it from politicians. There are many, many politicians that will blame evil for all kinds of things that happen in the world. And by doing that, when they do it, there is a bit of a... Uh, what do I want to say? What's the right word? The right word's not coming to me. Uh, they, they want to blame it on evil, thereby alleviating themselves of needing to take any action or make any change in the way they think or in the way they behave or in the way they legislate or in the way they think of other people. And so... Uh the word that came to me, Linda, is disconnect. And I don't know that that's what you're going for, but that's what I see. It was a, that's a very good word and you're very close. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think disown is yeah. more the, is closer to, to the word I was trying to get to, but disconnect also gets us there, mm -hmm. right? There, there is a disconnect. For example, uh, they don't want to take uh, any kind of legislative action against guns yeah. because they believe that the Constitution or they claim to believe that the Constitution allows guns at the level that we're experiencing them, which I, I would argue uh, was never the case. I, I don't think that kinds of weapons that we have now that we call guns are not what was thought of and and written about in the formation of the constitution the right to bear right. arms right so uh the right to bear arms had to do with protecting your own personal property and you don't need a machine gun and you know a million rounds of ammunition to protect your personal property so 
But that's how the politicians and the legislators can say, well, we're not going to pass any laws to, to do anything about this because it's protected in the Constitution. And this behavior is evil. And so it comes from evil people and evil things and that there's no way to stop that. Right. It's a way to like disown it. Right. So that if you stick evil in a little box over here and it's just those people over there who are doing the evil and then you kind of assume it's inevitable. And then, like you said, you can kind of wash your hands of any kind of responsibility or accountability. Right, right. So um, I, I thought a good place to maybe start the conversation about what is evil is to use uh, the information that God gave Neil Donald Walsh. So for those of you who may not be familiar with this author, Neil Donald Walsh uh, is, is alive and well and has authored, uh, I believe it's nine Conversations with God books in a series, but then there are probably 30 or 40 other texts that he's authored based on that material, based on those nine books. Now, um, his Conversations with God, uh, I think most people would think of them as channeled in, in a form of channeling, right? He would sit and he would ask a question and he would get an answer and he would write it down. Uh, in his conversations with God, there is a, a place where God said to him, and, and I'm probably paraphrasing this a little, but that basically the only thing that, it, that is evil is to say that there is no evil in the world. And for God to say that is very interesting to me because we, what, what, what I understand and what Mary and, and others understand to be true is that there isn't anything other than God. God is love. It's the energy and force of the universe, the creative energy and force of the universe. And so in a very real sense, there isn't anything that isn't God. So one of the things that I wanted to touch on in this conversation is when we have conversations with God, and when other people have conversations with God, the conversations are coming through our housing. We are in this three-dimensional form having these conversations. And so it's not unrealistic or unreasonable to realize that there's going to be some influence that comes to bear on these conversations in this 3D world. And so that is my explanation for the way God answered Neil's question about evil, is, is there's an influence within Neil and a belief in evil that influenced the 
his ability to hear the answer. I'll often, if you're familiar with my work, I've done a lot of reading of A Course in Miracles. It's a book that I absolutely do not like. <laughs> Although the content of which there is, there is great value in much of the content of that book. But the reason that I don't like that book is that the channel, the person who provided the ability for that information to come through them, I believe influenced a great deal of the way that material is presented. And it's very muddy quite often and hard to sort out. And I miss hell. Yes. <laughs> the only, I, sorry, go ahead, Mary. I got I got this book that was like excerpts of A Course in Miracles, and it was edited by, among others, Marianne Williamson. Right. And that was my introduction to it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so powerful and beautiful. Then I tried to read the actual book, and it's still sitting in my nightstand like 10 years later. <laughs> right, right. And every time I tried to listen to you read it, because you were doing that for a while, right. I would just fall asleep. Right, <laughs> right. Well, and sometimes that's the easier way for our body to tune into the information, right? Is yeah. to suspend our physicality and just go audio with it. Yeah. Because, um, be because of these different frequencies, you know, and, and our, our housing can, can really uh, fight with the frequency that's being given and falling asleep is a great way to just get that out of the way. Um, if you, if, for those of you that have looked at my work or are aware of the fact that I read the main, I, I did the daily, so you can go and you can do the daily readings. Uh, there, all of those are complete. I started with the main book and I got through, I believe it's chapter 26. Um, and so I am still, that is on my list of things to do. I am going to go back and finish that at some point. But again, my resistance got to a point where it was too much. There was too much wading through this heaviness that, that was layered in there that I'm quite sure didn't need to be there. But because of the way it came through that particular channel, it's it's muddy. Um, but I I promise I am going to finish that project um, because it, it it there is valuable information in the material. It's just you really need your high waders on. <laughs> yeah. So coming back to what what God said to Neil, the only thing evil would be to say that there is nothing evil in the world. So let's for a moment look at some of the definitions of evil. Uh, Merriam-Webster, which is a, a great place to start, morally re reprehensible, sinful, wicked, an evil impulse, which is fascinating that you would use the word evil in the definition of evil, um, arising from actual or imputed bad character or conduct. And then Wikipedia, Wikipedia has a, a very large entry about evil, and they break down 
uh, the various religions, many religions, and the different takes on religion. The uh, Christian, just a short excerpt, we're not going to spend a lot of time here, but the, the Christian Bible exercises, quote, the dominant influence upon ideas about God and evil in the Western world. And in the Old Testament, evil is understood to be an opposition to God, as well as something unsuitable or inferior, such as the leader of the fallen uh, angels, Satan. Um, and then in the New Testament, the Greek word uh, panoris is used to indicate unsuitability, while kakos is used to refer to opposition to God in the human realm. In, in reading the Wikipedia, I would have to say that uh, the Islamic uh, view of evil seems to be the closest aligned with what my understanding of the best definition of evil to be. Uh, and, and that is, it, it's considered essential to believe that all comes from God, whether it is perceived as good or bad by individuals, and things that are perceived as evil or bad are either natural events, natural disasters or illnesses, or caused by humanity's free will. And that's really, to me, that's the closest alignment to uh, to the definition, my definition of evil, my understanding of evil. So if God is the source of everything, then there is nothing here that is not divine. And yet we can look out in the world every day anywhere pretty much and see something that doesn't seem divine and and it's fairly easy to find things that appear to be what we would call evil and so where does that how does that happen where does that come from and and my explanation of it is if we use, we come back to the analogy that life is a play. When we exhibit our free will, when we exert our free will, and we decide that we're not listening to our gut and we're not listening to our heart, and we're going to uh, let our mind kind of run the show and let our ego, which is really running even our mind, to take over and really run the show. We find ourselves in a situation where we're very egocentric and self-centered. And when we're in that mind space, we're not being loving and we're not being in service to others. We are simply using the energy of life around us to serve ourselves. And by doing that, we've disconnected from the energy of the force of the play, the movement of the plot. Because remember, the plot, as I describe it, the, the reason we're all here, the thing we all signed up to do is to be love 
hope, and joy to one another. Grace through service to each other. In the purpose of creating the experience of heaven on earth. This is supposed to be a fun place. It's supposed to be a place of great joy and wonder and miracles all the time, constantly. And even though there are miracles all the time, constantly happening around us, that is not most people's experience. And it's not most people's observation. And I believe the reason for that is that everyone is just expressing their own free will. They don't understand that they're actually in this collective play and why we're here because we've all forgotten. Um, I would like to add something here. Yes, maybe. please. please. Because um, someone that we both follow on Facebook actually often says that evil is just lives spelled backwards. Right. And to me, that is so clarifying. If you think of it as just sort of the free will slash ego mutation of our life force energy. Right. Which really exists to serve each other and make life beautiful for everyone, not just for ourselves. <laughs> right, right. Right. No, I, thank you for bringing that up because that is definitely a point that I wanted to, to touch on, that evil is the word light, live, spelled backwards. That's all it is. And even in the English language, there are, there are no coincidences here. This is not uh, by chance right. that these two words are forwards and backwards. Right. I, I can't believe it. Not for a moment. Yeah. And if you bring in the religious aspect, which you touched on a little bit, but it's not the only aspect involved. And really, in a way, I guess it goes to the political aspect, too. It's like, in a lot of cases, what becomes evil is what the powers that be don't want us to do. Like, when you concede that some of these things exist to control us and our behavior, then they define as evil, whatever it is that they don't want, right. you know? So that kind of goes to where you were talking about politics before. And like, you know, you always just call the other side evil. Then you can start a war with them or you can kill them, you know? Right, right. Boy, right. They, humans <laughs> right right we we are an interesting group <laughs> we're so adorable it, yeah we, and we and we are we are we're very adorable and and we're we're very mystifying all at the same time so how how does evil come to be? How do people do horrible deeds? And, and the answer is they have forgotten who and what they are. 
that comes down to the, the, the core of it, right? They have forgotten that they are individuated aspects of divinity. They've forgotten that they're here to be grace, hope, and love to one another through service in the creation of heaven on earth. They've forgotten. And one big way that this forgetting comes about, I believe, is through society and through our confused teachings about what God is. And so we are in a time, you know, the title of this podcast is Let's Become a Beloved Society. The way we're going to do that is to redefine what we understand God to be, first of all. Because so many religions and, and tenets subscribe to the idea of a vengeful God or an angry God or a manipulative God or a punishing God. And these are all definitions that don't serve us and don't lead us to creating a beloved society. They, they, they lead us to division and, and non-cooperation amongst each other because we, we end up judging each other and looking at the other religions as, well, they don't, I don't believe that and they believe something different and mine is right and they're wrong. No, none of this is the way it works. And so we've got to somehow through our daily endeavors with each other, encourage a new definition of God to be birthed among us. Do you have any thoughts about that, Mary? Um, this isn't exactly about that. It's, it's, it's about what we're talking about. But um, what came to me is evil is misguided love. It's like everything is love. And when people do things that we see as evil, they still think, I mean, they don't necessarily, um, but you know, everyone's the hero of their own movie. So they wouldn't necessarily say this is love, but it's like they're protecting their family. They're protecting their society. These rules are here because if you let this other thing happen, that will destroy something that is precious to them. So it's like, it's all this misguided love. And when you're talking about the vengeful God, I think that's the best example ever of a misguided notion of love. This, you know, angry patriarchal God who's gonna smite you and stuff. When like, what is your really loving parent like? Do they smite you or do they understand you and teach you? And, you know, so I think that that is really key to the whole thing is understanding. Yes, we need a new definition of God. And we also need a new understanding of what it means to love and to protect and to nurture. 
and right. take out all that patriarchal, vengeful nonsense. Right. You know, protection. Right. I mean, the, the value of the masculine to protect. Yes, you know, that's a real true thing. But the, the twisting it into the outward facing violence, like proactively against other people is very messed up. So, right. Those are my thoughts. Right. Right. Uh, excellent points. So, uh, it's it's easy to think about the kinds of evil things that uh, that people do, uh, and on larger scales. So, for example, the when we were in, in when the question came up, how do we keep evil people from showing up in our lives? The context was not just this life, but in other lives. You know, how do we keep the Hitlers from reemerging? How do we make that stop? And the real question or the, the, the real answer really becomes a personal way of learning how to look at people and not seeing them as evil. And so it becomes, it's an inside job yeah. that each one of us has to undertake if we want evil to not show up in our lives. Because as we've talked about in other shows, uh, in other podcasts, and, and is my, you know, uh, one of my core teachings is that from a quantum physics point of view, there isn't anything out here. This is a co-created collection of nothing. <laughs> it, it's, it's not real in the sense that we experience it as real. And so everything that we interact with, the, the, the um, precipitating energy is coming from us. And so if we're looking out at the world and we're seeing evil people and evil actions, those labels and the energy behind it are coming from within us. Because in a very true sense, there isn't anything evil in the world. It is the actions that are the evil but the energy behind all of it is the creation of by divinity and so at that level at that quantum physics field level there isn't anything evil in the 3d day-to-day -day world there is much that appears evil and the way to change the appearance of it is to change ourselves internally. So when you said, you know, how do we keep evil people from coming into our lives? My reaction to that is we don't believe in evil. And that all goes with what you're saying. And that's all well and true. And then you have the other aspect that 
if I just change my views so that instead of seeing evil, I see misguided people mucking things up, which is a lot of what I see, but there are still real results for people in the 3D. And so people will say that this is spiritual bypassing. Some people will say that. So I would like for you to address that, Linda. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure. So, um, and, and I understand that. And it's not, so, so let, me, let me be very clear. I'm not saying much as what God was suggesting to Neil. I'm not saying that there aren't things that appear to be evil. Hitler was an appearance of evil. There are lots of things we can think of that truly look evil. We can also realize that these are also all people who are the result of some form of brokenheartedness. Because I believe the underlying energy behind anything that is in appearance of evil, you know, and the Course in Miracles says this, everything is either love or a cry for love. So if you change the word from evil to the term cry for love, it fixes it. So it's not spiritual bypassing. It's actually spiritual processing. The, the, the key to a lot of spiritual bypassing is, is that they don't have the full picture. And so the, the bypassing is happening because they really, they, they don't understand what's truly happening and they haven't bought into the idea that divinity is everything that exists there isn't anything outside of divinity so again if you're looking at something and not seeing the divine in it then that's on you because the divine in it is there and it becomes our work it within yeah another thing that a course in miracles said that i really liked was like besides that everything is either love or a cry for love, which I love that. The other thing is if you look at a situation and you don't see the love there, then you're the one who's meant to bring it. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Neil Donald Walsh says something along the lines of, I came to the room to heal the room. Right. And that can be a little tricky because it sounds a little egoic, but but uh, it understood in the proper context, it's not egoic. It, it's, it, is, it is the expression of service. Right. Of being in service. Right. And bringing the love, the love and the service. That's making me think about the Ho'oponopono thing. And right. the thing about that doctor I mean, if you don't know the story, you can Google it. But like 
the doctor went to this hospital for like the criminally insane or something and he healed everyone in the hospital but he didn't heal them by healing them he healed them by thinking about them and healing the woundedness that that brought up in himself so then when we can heal that projection of the pain and the woundedness that ripples out you know and heals the world <laughs> and it sounds it, you know it is kind of miraculous and amazing and it's like seems too good to be true but the more we heal our own woundedness and that's how we get evil in our lives right because of the broken wounded places where we are right that resonate with i mean somebody's probably going to crucify me for this but okay you know that resonate with the broken wounded places the energy is like that and then if we can heal our energy that ripples out into the world and makes more love ripples right right that's how i see it and and a lot of this is bound in this whole physicality that we're dealing with right the ego of our housing the the wiring that we come with to keep us alive and to protect us yes without the proper wisdom and understanding of how that mechanism is working we very often end up in these uh, diametrically opposed relationships where we're, we're feeling hostile towards someone or disconnected from someone. And it's, it's our housing trying to protect us. And one of the things I, I wanna make sure we touch on because it's really integral to the entire picture is the understanding of time and multiple lives. So the question, how do we keep evil people from showing up in our lives, was not just necessarily this life, but other lives, right? How do we keep evil from entering into our arena? And the, the, the thing is, is that multiple lives are ex happening all at once. You may not be aware of any of them many people are not aware in, in the sense of, oh, I have a life in, in some other time and place. But what many people do experience are longings or uh, draws to something, uh, a particular perhaps culture or location or town or craft or hobby. These are the clues of other lives. These are the clues, not only of other lives, but also of, of the script in the play of this life, of what will move the plot along. Yeah. And oftentimes we, we don't recognize them or we ignore them, right. or we're not allowed to pursue them by our parents. Right. And this is something that happens more than I even want to think about, because so often 
the non-enlightened parent is shaping their child to be what they believe them to be, believe they should be, uh, wish they had been. There's a lot of influence that happens in our lives as children that come from our parents that may not necessarily be serving us to the best of our ability. And so we can come out of our childhoods pretty muddled up because we've been taught to ignore the things that we that our hearts draw us to. Uh, quite often we've been, uh, those things have been shunned out of our lives. The other thing to realize is that those other lives as they're happening can also be influencing what's happening in this life. I, I can speak to that uh, very clearly in terms of a claustrophobia event, or maybe perhaps multiple claustrophobia events that I have in other lives. And so as I'm dealing with my sleep apnea and my CPAP machine, I've, I've learned a lot about other lives that I have going on and other experiences that have led to this claustrophobia that I experience in this life. And what happens in our bodies when we become triggered at a, at a multi-life layer? Uh, so what I mean by that is I have these, uh, these uh, claustrophobia uh, events and and they're not they're, they're they can't possibly just be related to what's happening here because right. the, only, the thing is like a, a little tiny thing over my nose and yet my entire body is freaking out right there've been a couple of stories i've had uh, i've heard of lately of people committing suicide and it became clear to me that this is another place where these multiple lives oh. and the energy of what's going on in this life can trigger the ego to such a degree that the ego decides it's going to take over and do something in this, in this lifetime. Uh, and in, in both those cases, there were suicides in, involved. Um, and it, it's such a, this is such an important thing to come to understand because when you're feeling, when your body is feeling out of sorts, there's a reason there are clues here. Something's going on and um, having techniques like breathing techniques that can bring you back into yourself and calm you down and reconnect <laughs> you in this lifetime with what's happening and sort of shut out the, the other lifetimes that are, that are feeding that ego's impulse are really important. But this also comes into play. The reason I brought this up is that it also comes into play when we're feeling triggered by evil, what we believe to be evil in our lives here. That, undercurrent in the other lives and the experiences in the other lives can be feeding 
our tensions in this life. I'm thinking about, you know, um, you shared a thing in the past. I don't know if you ever shared it in this group about you used to have a real attachment to justice and injustice. That was from a different lifetime situation. Right. And what I was thinking about right now is I wonder if some people do come here because they want to like do a good on evil battle, like whether it's a legit thing or not. You know, I wonder if for some people that is what they want to sort of experience, like feeling like they're fighting the good fight against evil, even though there really isn't any such thing from a higher perspective. From, from what I know of how it works, I would have to say that the only reason we come here is to help further the plot of the creation and experience of heaven on earth. So we don't come here to battle evil or to, uh, uh, you know, show evil its day. We come here to show love its day. And, and then what happens is we forget that's why we're here. And this is where vigilantes come along from, I think. You know, we, we forget that we're really here to spread love and to do everything that we're here to do through the tool of love. Uh -huh. And then we get here and the, the frequency is so dense and we've forgotten and our parents aren't teaching us why we're here. Because they've and forgotten or never knew. Because they've forgotten or they never knew. Uh, well, they, they, we all knew at one point, but we've, most of us have all forgotten. And so we end up with the ego's ability to tap into that frequency. And because the, it's really the ego that's the one in charge of fighting, because it's the thing that is here to keep us alive in right. its form. Right. It's, it's our natural defense mechanism. I have another question, Linda. Sure. You are a good resource because you do remember back that far, i.e. to before you came into right. this lifetime. Um, because like in some cultures, the forgetting is sort of a feature, not a glitch. Like in the idea of the river sticks and it washed away your memories of the previous lives so that you wouldn't be confused in the next life. This is how I remember it from what I read as a child anyway. Right. But, um, but you, I mean, that's really my question. Are we supposed to forget or are we supposed to remember? Is it all just that we've forgotten because the energy is so dense? Because I tell you, I sort of feel like I do not remember from before this life, but after people have talked with me about it a little bit and I've felt into it, I can feel very clearly that when I was in non-physical, I was like eager and excited and thinking, ah, oh, this is gonna be a piece of cake, you know? I knew what I wanted to do. I knew what I wanted to bring. And then I got here and it was like, fuck. 
It's so dense. It's so heavy. I can't even breathe. I can't even move. How am I going to be this beautiful beam of flitting light and energy, you know, that right. I was up there because I didn't have this darn body. Right. I love your body, but still, you know. Right. Um, so really the question is, is, is the forgetting just a byproduct of the body as far as you're concerned? And ideally we would all remember versus because it can be very confusing to people in this lifetime if you start having memories of other lifetimes and people think you're crazy. My right. brother came home from work one day knowing how to bind books. It's like he had a memory of doing this in another lifetime and just started freaking binding books. So, but a lot of people would look at that and go, this guy's nuts, you know? Right. So, right. Well, first of all, um, I think that the mental institutions on the planet are filled with people that have absolutely nothing wrong with them other than the rest of us don't understand them. Uh, you know, I, I did volunteer work in high school in mental institutions and and that was and and then I worked in college I worked with autistic children and yes in some ways we could say there's something wrong with them especially the ones that you know were self-destructive and would bang their heads on the file cabinets and and that yeah that there's there is something wrong there something's not working correctly but but that same kid could could tell you every make model and of car that drove by the windows uh and he was five years old like i don't even like how how could he have known that so we don't really understand so much but it is my understanding in terms of how it works that it's it, it it's not intentional it, it wasn't intentional and and what we have now is hundreds of years thousands of years of this uh, and that's how i see it and that's my understanding of why we're all here now, those of us that are awake uh, and, and moving us back to the plot of creating heaven on earth, tangibly amongst each other, is that it's a glitch. It's not a part, it's not a feature. This is not a feature. The, and, and again, I believe that that teaching came about as a justification, right? We can't tell everybody it's a glitch. What would they think? No, we'll tell them it's a feature. <laughs> the, the forgetting is a feature, and, and now you're remembering, and so now you're back on track again. No, it's truly, to my understanding, it's it's truly a glitch. And and the waking up of which is, is uh, what those of us that are here are here to help with. And now I just want to say one of my favorite Shakespeare quotes, which is that one about there are more things on heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Right. Right. 
and this is the key, right? To, to all that we need to know is out there. It's written. It, there are pieces of it throughout history. There are brilliant people who have had the insights, who have understood. Shakespeare was one of those people. It's why his plays have sustained themselves through time the way they have. Uh, but it, it, the wisdom is here. It's just, it's a lot of it's been clouded. And certainly, unfortunately, one of the major religions uh, is, is the most clouded and confused. And, and they're the ones with the most missionaries running around telling people things that just, you know, a lot of it's just not true. So there's a lot of unlearning that has to happen. So we have about 10 minutes left and I wanted to, uh, I, I wanted to touch upon the concept of self-compassion because one of the ways that we can heal ourselves is to start to give ourselves compassion for the pains we carry. And so much of society over the years has been about getting over it, ignoring it, stuffing it down. Yeah. Growing up, uh, no. you know, getting over it. I keep coming back. Put on Man, your big girl pants. Right. Right. Suck right. it up. Right. Suck it up. Don't cry. You know, big girls don't cry. Boys don't cry. All this stuff about not crying. Yeah. Uh, every non-shed tear is manifested somewhere in our bodies. Yeah. As an unexpressed emotion. Trapped tears. You use that phrase with me and I will never forget it. Right, right. Trapped tears. But trapped tears will lead to illness. Mm -hmm. They'll lead to unhappiness. They'll lead to suicide. You know, they'll lead to all kinds of things. And so the best place that we can start is with ourselves and giving compassion to ourselves. Yeah. And, and we can do that. So for example, let's say you're at the grocery store and you see somebody doing something that you think is inappropriate. You can give yourself compassion for your inability or your, your judgment in the moment of that person. You can give yourself compassion for that. Yeah. And, and, and you can say to yourself, you know, I, I really, I know that I should love you. And right now I'm really feeling not able to do that. And that's okay. It's not about putting yourself down. It's about allowing yourself 
what you're feeling because that's the first step to healing anything within yes. ourselves and give yourself compassion if you can't give yourself compassion right give yourself compassion for that it's like the last thing we need to do is beat ourselves up because right. we can't give ourselves compassion love ourselves appreciate ourselves approve of our right selves there's right. a lot of manure <laughs> right past sometimes right. you know right, right. And, and and also before the time runs out to answer the initial question how do we keep evil from showing up in our lives we don't we can't it's not about that what it's about is and this is a, a mantra i've been using lately and i really like it what it's about is understanding that this moment is here to teach me to love like never before. That's the, I, I had it written on my arm. I'm I may get it tattooed on my arm. This moment is here to teach me to learn to love like never before. So when you, you see what you think is the appearance of evil, use that mantra and it what what will happen is it will shift the energy so dynamically and so quickly that you will begin to see other options you'll be able to see in that other person their trapped tears because again coming back to the idea that hurt people hurt people this expression of evil is nothing more than that. Someone in some form of pain expressing their free will. And that pain, using their free will to express their pain how they choose. I would shorten that to love like never before if I was going to tattoo it just for the <laughs> sake of space on my arm. <laughs> True. I mean, it, it took a couple of lines. Um, that is yeah. a numerically uh, tuned, numerologically tuned oh, of phrase course. I should know as that. well. So I can't remember if it's a nine or an 11, but it's... Uh, yeah. Uh, so, and you, you know, you could try love like never before and see, see what that energetically is. what that comes up with as well. Yeah. Um, it's based actually, and I should give credit. It's based on, uh, something Matt Kahn said in one of his teachings a while ago, he mm -hmm. had a mantra similar, um, but it wasn't, it wasn't numerological. And so I, I, uh, I worked with it. You do. <laughs> <laughs> um, because again, everything is energy and frequency yeah. and, and uh, it's not that we have to uh, tune everything, but yeah. if I have time and I can, yeah. I will. Um, so, I mean, all numbers are good. They're all divine, um, but, they're, but they're frequencies. frequencies. Yeah. yeah. And now I'm thinking of that other thing that I had said to you that I wanted to tattoo on my arm which is life is right. 
right other quote life is right in any case and it's kind of a similar reminder in that there's nothing wrong and so it goes with the idea that this moment is here to just give me an opportunity to love like i've never loved before right that's all of life is and i think that astrologically and everything from what i've been reading and we're entering this new period and that's what it's about, right? We're moving from the old period and into the new period. And what is this period for? To create the new world, to right. become a beloved society. What do we have to do? We have to love in a way that goes beyond how we've ever loved before, right? Right. That's, that right there is the nutshell version. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And and uh, this this in in my mind is when people use the term woke, this is what we're talking about. And uh, the important thing to understand at this point is we have achieved critical mass, that which is only about three and a half percent. People think, oh, you need fifty percent or fifty one percent. No, from a quantum physics point of view. 3.5%, I think, is what is needed to achieve critical mass. And I do believe we have it. The scales have tipped. Uh -huh. And what we're going to see, again, and we're seeing it, uh, we're, we're seeing it right now in the legislature in our country, the pushback against uh, LGBTQ children, uh, the, the all of this, you know, uh, various legislation that's hitting the the pushback against the ability for women to make their own decisions about their bodies and their children and their babies all of that it's the end of it it's the end of the hate era and the beginning of the love era coming where inclusivity and allowing each individual to speak for their own body their own self that respect and and where it's not it doesn't threaten me or my values for you to do what you need to do you know that because in the grand scheme of things we are all one and so this nitpicking against each other is not serving the collective in any way shape or form right and and that's the era we're moving out of and we're moving into the era of the collective protecting both itself individually and the collective as the whole. Yes, agreed. Well, we have about two minutes left. Uh, I do want to remind everybody, I was going to do that at the very beginning, but um, I won't be able to be here on the 24th. But other than that, I do believe um, we should be here for the month of March in any case, other than that Friday. So um, I think we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Thank you so much for those of you that attended live. Uh, thanks for anybody watching or listening later. Again, you can always message your questions to 907-351-3003. Uh, you can also send an email to questions at walkingthroughyourwalls.com. Thanks again. I'm Linda Lamp. This is Mary Ardania, and we'll see you next week. 
Namaste and much love. <laughs> Bye.